to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer and band leader from South Korea, Jihei Lee. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today, we have Miss Jihei Lee with us. Ma'am, thank you for joining us. Hi, Leander. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, could you tell the people a bit about yourself? Like, where you're from originally, your education? Oh. Well, I am originally from South Korea. I said South because people sometimes ask, is it North? Which is very strange question for us because you're not gonna see any North Korean ever. I haven't seen any, but anyways, <laughs> I'm from South Korea and um, I wasn't a jazz composer until I came to Boston. Um, I was a singer songwriter back there. Um, and at, at some moment I was like, okay, is this the music that I can have fun with in a long time? And then my answer was no. I was always curious about what's gonna be outside of my world. And then I wanted to take a chance. So I came to Boston to, um, to go to Berklee College of Music. Um, I decided to go there because it's the biggest, biggest non-classical music school. So I thought I might be able to find what I like, what composition, what kind of composition I would um, pursue. So I went there and I happened to um, fall in love with the jazz orchestra, which is 17 people in the band with lots of brass and saxophones. Um, anyways, after that, I decided to continue my studies with um, a composer that I admire greatly, Jim McNeely, he still teaches there. He, he was teaching at the Manhattan School of Music, so I did my master's degree there, and I decided to stay in New York and keep on, keep on doing what I do. Okay. Well, your music theory was really, it's really top-notch for somebody who was just a plain singer-songwriter. Was it pop music you were pretty mm. much performing? <laughs> it wasn't K-pop. And then at the time, you don't, when, when we say K-pop right now, we, you know, automatically think about BTS and Blackpink, which, which I'm a fan of, um, but they were not there back then. And um, yeah, I mean, you can imagine it's just a folky music, you know, it's like more of like, you can just think of, I mean, I, I can't say what genre it was, it was just, but I can say, even though I was a singer-songwriter, like harmonically, I was very, it was a bit advanced in comparison to other singer-songwriters. I was interested in some kind of rich or like har harmonies or, um, some modulation here and there, so, but it wasn't it wasn't the same level as I do right now, of course. Man, I'm impressed by it because this album is one of my favorites for the year. Big band, oh, thank love big you so band. Much. There are not many people in our age group writing big band charts right now. 
And when I find <laughs> a good one, I try to bring them on. So oh. you got Kathleen doing it. I have you. I had Steve come on. And all of you guys oh. are just playing amazing. So <laughs> now the struggle gives you strength off your latest album, Dare in Mind. Mm -hmm. Sean Jones, first of all, great pickup on him to put him on that because he killed mm -hmm. that track. Yeah, agree, 100%. Someone else I need to get on there. But what made you write that song? And then there's one other song I got to ask you about. Um, Actually, um, Sean Jones is leading, is a musical director. Um, I don't know if it's artistic director. I don't know the title completely like i don't know I'm, I'm not completely sure but um he uh runs nyo jazz which is a program um carnegie hall's program uh, national youth orchestra jazz um in nine i think it was 19 2019 he asked me to write a song for nyo jazz um it's a group um like big band but all the players are i think from 15 to 17 year old. Um, it's a young players and they're, they're great. Like they're from all over the world. Like all, you know, um, like young genius players um, doing a program together. And uh, when I was asked, I was thinking, what kind of message I want to deliver through this music. And I automatically thought about, okay, this is young group of people, young young age group of people, and there's Sean Sean Jones. What if I um, write a music that elderly person kind of um, talk about life, music, and everything to the younger people? What is gonna be the message that the elderly person can give? And then I was thinking, okay, struggle gives you strength. You're gonna you're gonna meet a lot of struggles. Uh, you're gonna, if you pursue music or like regardless, life can give you a lot of struggles. And if you, on the top of it, if you do music, music is not gonna give you sugar all the time. So that was my imagination. And after that, they, they premiered that music at the Carnegie Hall and they toured in Asia. I think it was, um, mostly China, Taiwan, and things like that. They didn't go to Korea, unfortunately. Wow. Um, but anyways, uh, when I decided to my new record, I was I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna put this track on my record and I'm gonna bring Sean Jones again to do the proper professional recording. And the COVID broke out. So I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> now I'm, now, um, this music means even more to the wider audience because we all were or and still are having some um, difficult times. So, yeah. Great competition. Good story. I'm not complaining. But did they drop? <laughs> did they stop in Japan also, or was it just pretty much China, Taiwan? Oh, uh, I don't. I think it was mostly China because China is a big country. If you tour China, like it's almost. Same as you tour all the Asia. Um, I think they focused on China at the time. Um, and then they stopped Taiwan because it's right there. Um, Hong Kong, I think they, want, they went to Hong Kong as well. 
I can't recall correctly. <laughs> okay. And a revenue was it revenue revived mine? I think it's called. What is the story behind that track? Like, what you were you going for? Revived mind? Huh? Revived mind? Oh, revived mind! Wow, my mistake. Yes. There, there are four. <laughs> no, no, no. Four mind tracks. So it's like revived mind, relentless mind. So those two are confusing. Relentless mind and revived mind. Uh, relentless mind was the first track of the record, and it's very hectic, hazy. Um, it was about my impression of New York. So oh. it's it's very <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna confuse you just like the music confuses you as well. Cause um, okay, you I don't know where you are coming from. I can't. You, I don't know where you came from, but once you get to New York, uh, you're gonna feel hecticness. Um, anyways, um, so all the individual, they do their own thing, even though they are top of their things mostly, they still want to want to um, go farther, and that was very um, inspiring to me. But just the just the image of New York. If you go walk on the walk on the street, everybody walks fast, and then they will say, "Hey, if you're walk if you walk slow, just you know, <laughs> just get out of here." You know, like I I am busy. You know, all the things. You know, so um, that image uh, gave me some inspiration to write music about relentless mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So and the and the. Yeah, yeah, go go go. Tell me about revived mind also. No, I, I, no, I, yeah, revived mind is um, a composition that I wrote for BMI many album commission work, which is uh, in 2018. I I received the BMI Charlie Parker Composition Prize, which is BMI. You know the BMI the. I think it's in the royalty company. Yes. I don't know. What, I don't know the exact word. It's one to of the copyright explain. publishers. Yeah, the copyright publishing company. Anyways, um, so they do uh, jazz compos jazz composers workshop. So it's not. Uh, I don't say it's educational organization, but we invite composers who is professionally writing music. And we have two mentors who run the program, um, and they do annual concert. And after the concert, they pick one composition and give out the Charlie Parker Composition Prize. And then I was lucky enough to uh, be one of the recipients um, through the years. Like uh, they only pick one, anyways. So I was I was the recipient in 2018, and then that leads to a commission work uh, you premiere following following year. So Revived Mind, I wrote it for the following year. And it's like a very simple song. It's just fun. It's all diatonic, nothing, nothing so tricky uh, in terms of the harmony or rhythm, but it's just, you hear a lot of flutes and, you know, uh, trombone glissandos. And it's just like, Revived Mind, as, as the title explains itself, um, 
you hear the banging piano um, at the beginning and it's just the beginning of the world and or beginning of the revival, I would say, and all the plants, uh, sprouts and, you know, sprout, stretch. It, 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 you know, so that's why I yes, do I a lot it. of glissando and some like, you know, rook, rook. it's just uh, my way of expressing the motion into music. Um, so, and after I composed uh, that piece, um, I had this image, uh, imagery, um, which is, doesn't really making sense. Um, you know, the, you, have you seen Lion King? I think, unfortunately, everyone's seen it. Are you talking about on Broadway? Yeah, okay. I, I, I saw one time. <laughs> you should see it anyway. I saw it's it on so Broadway. Great. I saw it seven times. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. Because every time my friends from abroad come over here, I would, like, show them around and pick them up, etc. They would mm-hmm. buy me a ticket. <laughs> and I know how much the ticket costs. So I know. So I'm, you like, I'm no. not going to turn it down because, you know, they yeah, were trying to do exactly. it out of the goodness of their heart. I could play yep. Mufasa right now if they want me to. <laughs> hmm. So um, yeah. For some reason, I had a thought. Wow it it just it just reminds me of Lion King for some reason because I don't know. It's a bit celebrating. It has celebration celebrating vibe and it's just like you know joyful. I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to explain. But anyways, so that the was Lion the revived mind. So those. Some moment, okay. especially the beginning when when the people just like sing and come to the stage. Okay, it's just like the the mood. It's just the you know it's not joyful. Anyways, I mean story wise, <laughs> no, but <laughs> but just a certain image. It just it just stuck in my head, and then I can't get out of the image. Anyways, fair fair. Because the opening, <laughs> it, I give it credit, even though I've seen it that many times. It's impressive. They come out. They have all the gadgets, the art, and all the animals. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so plant's version of Lion King's opening session. Anyways. <laughs> mm. And some nah, I'm not gonna go there. But <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so what part of Korea were you from? Were you from Seoul? I was actually born in Busan. Okay, Busan. Uh, and then I lived in Seoul. So both both cities I'm familiar with. But all of my friends and everybody is in Seoul. And then I my career as a singer-songwriter was there, too. Okay, because uh, I'm just curious, from your point of view, what shocked you the most from the Seoul point of view, New York point of view? Uh, sorry, what, what? What culture point of view? difference oh. really stood out, I should say? Between Seoul and Busan? Seoul, Busan, and New York. Oh, I mean, both are both are busy cities. It's very city-like. So Seoul, of course, it's it's like Tokyo or it's just like New York. It's it's not suburban at all. Busan is a very developed city too, and Korea is a very small country. Like we have very small land, and we have pre pre dense population. So you know, pop, population wise, like. Ev- I mean, Seoul is busier. Like, you see more people in Seoul, uh, mostly, I would say. But it's pretty much like New York. 
But um, but I don't know. Maybe it wasn't the city is like the business itself that uh, overwhelmed me when I came to New York. But it's just like I don't know. Maybe it's just like. The attitude is different because New Yorkers can be cranky sometimes. That's a nice way of putting most, it. Cranky. Most yes. most <laughs> of the times, I don't know if it's sometimes or most of the times, but pretty much all. I the think time. it was. Yeah, I think it was like that. I mean, I came from Boston directly to New York, so in comparison to Boston, it was totally different. And the school-wise, Berkeley's Berkeley people, and the Manhattan School of Music people, totally different. It was just totally different. You know what I'm going to ask. And. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on. Go ahead. <laughs> Tell us the difference. Come on. Oh, my God. I mean, I don't know if I should say this or no, but um, okay. Judge-free jazz um, podcast. Come on. If you really don't want to, I won't press no, you. Okay. Berkeley. No, I mean Berkeley. Berkeley people are very supportive. Like it's more likely you are protected. You are. I don't know if it's it, it's Korean term. You are a plant in the in the what is that called house? You know you're protected. You're in the garden, let's say. But if you go to if you go to uh, Okay, well, one story. I was in Manhattan School of Music. There's a lady who checks the ID. Mm-hmm. And then one time, I was just standing in the hallway, and then the lady came to me and said, like, very, it was very mean, actually. And she says, why are you standing there? I'm like, who the, I mean, how do I know? Like, it's a hallway. Why can't I stand there? And she kept on just, like, saying mean things to me. And then I was so so angry at some moment because why i'm a student i'm paying for this school and i'm just standing there why you say it's it's wrong that i stand here i don't know what happened she didn't even explain and at some point i was angry and say what's your name i i have to report to you <laughs> i don't know where the courage came from to for me to say this and she suddenly say oh i'm no i'm sorry and then things like that and i just I was like, oh, why? Okay, you're stressed, and then you're, you maybe have a lot of things, but I am not the one you should put your anger on. And this is my thing. There was another thing, but I shouldn't say that. But this, I think I can say. But anyways, that you know, that thing and everything. That's fair. Anyways, no, no, no. That's fair. That's good. <laughs> that's a good answer. Good comparison. I do understand that. Mm-hmm. And I think the term you are thinking of is bubble. In Berkeley, you're in a bubble? What do you mean, bubble? Like you're protected. Mm. Like it's an own little world? Well, what's the term that even though it's a winter time, you put some like uh, stuff on you and you you protect that plant and then grow the plant? I don't know. Anyways. Okay, yeah, whatever. whatever but anyways, whatever. I would say just <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so other thing I was just really curious about is why do you decide to focus on just big band? Unless I don't know. Do you have any quintet stuff, quartet stuff, etc.? Hmm. 
I think mostly it's because I don't play instruments. I'm not a saxophone player. I'm not a trum trumpet player or I'm not even a piano player. So even if you do quintet, quartet, most likely you're going to play in the band. But I, my instruments, my instrument is voice. I sing, but I don't think I am. I like singing as much as I compose. Um, I think my career, my my thing as a singer is already done in Korea. I think it can be because my my insecurity about my English or uh, like the pronunciation or the delivery of the music because I can't really deliver the lyrics as much as the as the as other singers who was born here and who know this culture. And at the same time, I'm not a I wasn't a jazz singer. I don't have a lot of passion for singing standards. I don't. Um, but I sometimes sing when I have opportunities, um, but mostly it's going to be original songs. Okay. So if you are just composing, I think larger ensemble is more fun, um, which is financially not a good idea. No recommend. Um, but anyways, I like composing for larger, large group. Okay. Well, I do agree with that because there are other people who told me they don't want to sing because of the confidence level they have in the English language. Yeah. However, yeah, I think that's very, yeah. You're making me no. curious to hear your earlier stuff, like when you were singing Korean. Uh, you don't want to hear that. Uh, <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> okay, fair. Uh, funny. So what instrument do you use to compose then? Or do you just, is there anything you use as a bass, like a piano or guitar? Um, I play a tiny bit guitar, but it's not my instrument to compose. I used... I use I use piano most of the time, just like most of the people, because it just gives me such variety, like you know, really wide range. It's so easy to hear the music. So piano, yeah. Okay. So, what is something you didn't expect from the music world coming to America and transitioning into jazz? What do you mean? The thing that I didn't expect in what way? Like, okay, so you come over here from Korea to Boston and mm -hmm. you went to a music university. What did you think mm -hmm. it was going to be like versus how it actually was? I don't think I had any idea what it would be like. Because when I decided to go to Boston, I barely spoke English. I don't think I would be able to order a coffee at Starbucks. Um, so uh, my English level was very bad. Um, and at the time, my purpose was I'm going to be there for only two years and see what I can earn from that. And I'm going to come back to Korea. That was my original plan. And I didn't think I would become a jazz composer, but I knew that I would become a 
like a kind of composer, but I didn't know what kind of composer I would like to become. That's why I came to Berkeley because it has some programs. So I did tasted a little bit of everything, uh, which was songwriting mm -hmm. and movie composing, like movie music composing, film scoring. Mm -hmm. And there was something called, I forgot the term, but anyways, it, it makes you become a self-production self musician. So you compose, it teaches compose through engineering as well, like mixing and mastering. But I just realized that, okay, I am very bad at dealing with the machine, you know, the, you know, the MIDI stuff, computer and everything. Oh, I'm so bad. So, but film scoring is mostly about dealing with that. So I'm like, okay, I, I might not be good at that. And songwriting, which I was doing it before, but it was mostly focused on lyric writing, of course, in English. So you you see, I was barely ordering co coffee, so I couldn't I couldn't write lyrics. Oh no! So I thought that's not mine. So um, there was one thing left, which was jazz composition. So I took the jazz composition one class, and the court the, the advanced course you go, um, you will have to write for a large ensemble. And that was the beginning of my thing. <laughs> um, yeah, but I didn't plan to, I didn't plan to stay this long for this long. I was going to go back to Korea, but I didn't. Do you plan to stay or do you plan to go back to Korea? Right now? Oh, in the future. <sighs> Who knows? Okay, that's a fair. Yeah, but um, you know, New York is such a great city if you're a composer because there are so many great musicians and they're so humble. They they're so easy to work with and they are always professional. So I really enjoy being in New York uh, and working with them. And you're not gonna have that kind of luxury in Korea especially horn players. So in the near future, I don't have any plan to go back. But maybe, maybe in the future when I feel like, okay, I had enough experiences, now is the time to share with my people or like with my country or like with some people who has less, less exposure to this kind of music, then I might go and do some teaching or educational work. But I don't know. Nothing Nothing is certain at this moment. Okay. I mean, if you keep it up like this, maybe your next one or the one after that will be nominated for a Grammy. Then I guess you could go back over there with huge honors and respects. <laughs> well, Grammy, yeah. It would have been nice if, if I got the nomination this year, but... You know, all the nominees were like Christian McBride and Yellow Jacket, Big Names, No Complaint. But this time, the rule has changed, actually. It was the first year changing rule. They uh, took out the committee, which... Yeah. So there were like some systems, but this time was uh, different. So I think it's fair if you if it's only for voting, people will vote for... Uh, familiar names and then my name is not Correct. a household name and that's so, one of the problems i had with this which is why i was just like 
I think he got cheated. But it's the Grammys, so. Oh well, I mean, <laughs> we shouldn't go deep yeah. <laughs> deeper than this. But I mean, anyways. <laughs> it's okay. But yeah, I know. But you know, this year, this year was great. A great year for me. Daring mind, my album got. I mean, you know, so much love, and I'm happy. Um, I I I met a lot of people through this music, so yeah, I think it, it was a good year without Grammy. It was a great year. Okay, yes. Are you in work <laughs> for the next one already, or no? I am in the stage of thinking about next album. Um, but I am uh, waiting for something. Um, if it's happening, I might make another record next year. If not, the following year. But um, so my my plan is uh, in in next year I'm gonna compose more music and specify specify some some of the plans. So yeah. Next year or following year, you're okay. gonna you're gonna have a new album, <laughs> and I'm looking Definitely, forward yeah. to that new album. Okay. And when did you record most mm -hmm. of this? During the pandemic? <laughs> After the pandemic? Okay, I should say when they opened up the we studios. We recorded. You mean for the previous album or the next album? No, this album that just came out. When did you actually record it in the studio? Um, it. It was, um, I was fortunate to record this album right before the pandemic. So it was 2020 January. We recorded in 2020 January and March, boom. So, um, yeah, yeah, I was lucky. That's very, the odds are in your favors, man. Okay, so. <laughs> but it was strange because um, during the pandemic, I was thinking, who is going to record a Big Ben album? But there were a lot of Big Ben album came out during the pandemic. And then I was curious how did how actually they recorded, maybe remotely, maybe section by section. I don't know. I wouldn't know. So I can't help you on that one. I'm sorry. So <laughs> what have you noticed about the jazz scene? Since you came here, have you been noticing it expanding, getting smaller? Do you see new faces? You mean through pandemic or just no, in general? since the pandemic, since New York City opened up? Um, I mean, I don't think it's fully open, open yet. They still limit some seats or, um, or you know, limit some dates, so they are not fully open, I would say. But I attended some concerts and then I had a show as well. I see the audience group is more enthusiastic, I would say. I think they were, they were, they have been eager to hear live music. And it was a very pleasant surprise for me because maybe musicians, including myself, was thinking who is going to come or who is going to enjoy live music anymore because everything was virtual online concert and everything and maybe they are afraid of 
the pandemic COVID still. But I attended concerts and mostly sold out. And then I was so surprised. Wow, people have been waiting for this for so long. And the energy and the vibe and atmosphere was so passionate. Like it was so supportive, so appreciating. So as a musician, um, I think it's a good, good thing to know that live music is not going to die. Even though everything is for like a lot of things, you know, converted to virtual, the live music is not going to disappear, which is a huge relief for me as an audience, as a musician as well. Um, but, you know, still brought like a lot of players in New York. They don't leave with the money that they make from the jazz scene. No, it's not impossible. It's not possible. Mostly they work in the Broadway, but Broadway, it's not fully open. So they certainly have less job opportunity. Um, same thing to everyone. And I think we still are struggling. Venues, um, hopefully there, some venues are doing really good, but some venues are maybe not. But I think we're just in the transition, and then I really hope this direction goes to the positive way. Okay. So, where do you think jazz will be in 10 years? Whew, I don't know. I'm, I haven't been in the scene for, you know, some five decades, things like that. I'm not, a, I'm not one of the, you know, people who live through the history of jazz, but... Um, what I see musically is, I think I see a lot of people trying to um, do things more relevant to this 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 time. Let's say if you are a young jazz jazz players or musician, you grew up listening to a lot of different genres. You you're you're different than musicians who were born in 1950 or 70. So the music that you grew up listening to is different than the people who were back in there. Um, so I think the musicians have the intention to, or maybe it just naturally happens to bring the music they like the music that is not jazz, but they like, but into the jazz and they infuse things with other genre into jazz. And you, you will hear a lot of jazz music. It sounds like hip hop. It sounds like rock. It sounds like, um, I don't know, some, I don't, I don't want to say that word fusion because it has certain nuance. So, but anyways, so I think it's a really, great movement so that it can be more relevant to younger audience who never listen to jazz. They might be interested in jazz music because it's, it's, it's similar to other, other music they maybe are more familiar with. But at the same time, still, the legacy of jazz, the swingy, you know, or bebop or or the legacy jazz, 
more authentic or traditional jazz still happens because it I think it became a classic art form that will never die. You know, so I think I don't know, but in 10 years, who knows, maybe some electronic music plus jazz will happen or I don't know. I mean, but, you know, if you go to Lincoln Center, if you go to Carnegie Hall, if you go to any classical or jazz venue, you will see elderly people more in the audience than younger people. What if, what if in some decades, what if they are gone and who's going to be the jazz fans? I don't know. So, or classic fans. So um, that is the concern that music business people or music musicians have. It's not happening right now, but it's going to happen at some point. But and I can't say, I can't predict the future of jazz in 10 years, but I just keep on doing what I do. And if everybody is honest to their own taste or, or their own musical aesthetics, it's going to be okay, I think. Okay. I was with you into the last part you said. <laughs> I don't know where we'll be in 10 years. I don't. In this whole pandemic thing, a lot of people I know finally gave up. Because they were Yeah, a lot of Korean musicians came back. I went back to Korea. Yeah. Do you think they'll be coming back? I don't know, but probably not. I figured that also. Are they at least working over there in Korea now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Definitely. that might be the new thing. Like, maybe that would be the cause of the great expansion of jazz in Seoul. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I doubt it, though. But yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is your dream project? If money wasn't an issue. What type of big band or pro jazz project would you make? And who would be on if it? If money is not issue. Yes. I think I would like to do a tour. That's it? I want to meet... I want to meet... Um, jazz music lovers in the world. But... Let's say you have 17 people in the band and you want to travel. You want to, you have to, you know, give them, give them tickets, like flight tickets and accommodation and everything. It's going to cost a lot of money. But if I have money, maybe, you know, um, a year tour, things like that from from west to east you know all over the world that would be so much fun and also very exhausting um i was i i said tour because it's almost impossible at this point for me to go to europe let's say with my band it's impossible i mean i wouldn't say impossible but it's very hard if i only the person i'm, I'm the only person managing everything financially um, so, cause maybe it's because during the pandemic, I, I had less live shows and then maybe I am very wanting to do more live shows 
meet the real people in the audience. Uh, maybe that was the first, that, that's the reason that I had these thoughts for the very first time when you, asked, when you asked. But if you say project, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't really think of any specific musicians that I want to hire, but I know it's going to be larger scale, maybe symphony plus big band, things like that. I don't know, but I am, I am, I enjoy writing for any, any kind of ensemble. And then it's fun to work with different group of people. I think it's more fun. I mean, whatever it comes to me, I have to test my musical ability, ability to write music for them. It's challenging and it's fun. You're the first person to give me an answer like that. I like it. But I do understand because just bringing a quartet abroad is not only mentally draining, it's expensive. So I do yep. understand you on that. I mean, yeah, you threw me off on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so what is one of the best compliments you ever received? Huh. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I can't think of only one compliment that I appreciated more than others. But one thing I appreciate is when I do shows, some people come to me say, I could relate to this music. I really enjoyed your writing. And then when I ask, "Are you are you musicians?" and they say no, mm-hmm. and I and and that is a big compliment for me because okay, you don't know what's going on in this music harmonically, rhythmically, or any musical. Yeah, you don't have you don't have the musical background to fully understand this music. But if you feel something, if you could relate to that, I would take it as, okay, my music has soul. It reaches to, it, 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 it can reach to people without any musical um, tricks. You know what I mean? The soul, the energy itself can reach out to people and it can be relevant. That's a, that's a huge compliment to me. Okay. I... Give you that one also. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, and just one other question. I'm just curious. Are there a lot of jazz halls in Seoul? No. <laughs> but oh. it's... it. Okay, so uh, it's very different than Japan because I, I am always... Um, I wouldn't say jealous, but I'm jealous <laughs> that... Japan has lots of jazz fans, lots of jazz venues, lots of jazz supporters and everything. Um, but they've been they've been in jazz business for for a long time. Maybe they're 30 years ahead or 40 years ahead than Korea, probably. So it's fair. But um in Tokyo, I heard that more than 300 clubs, jazz clubs, which is insane. 
which is insane. And Korea, I don't know, we have maybe less than 30 venues in the whole country. I don't know. And most of them are struggling a lot because, uh, you know, they are not selling out every day. So financially, they are in a diff difficult position. But, but I heard from my musician friends who went back to Korea and they say, hey, it's actually changing. If you, if you perform, younger people come. And I took it as a good sign. And also there are some new venues, new venues opening. Some venues are dying, but some venues are opening. So, um, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, Korea will enter to a bloom, a blossom, blossom, blooming moment in the jazz, in the jazz world, in, in terms of the jazz venues, jazz musicians, jazz students and everything. But big band, in terms of the big band, um, I rarely see any professional big band continuously doing their thing. Probably one, two, I don't know. Okay. So, ma'am, before we go, we normally like to give a shout out, show our respects to the artists who came before us. I'm going to tell you an instrument and two artists. Choose one and tell us why. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> On trumpet, Chef Baker or Dizzy Gillespie? <sighs> Dizzy. May I ask why? Because I think he was a, not only a great trumpeter, but also great mentors. So he influenced to next generation greatly. So let, for instance, John Fettis, he, he, I don't know if he was a student or no, but he got great influence from Dizzy Gillespie and John Fettis is influencing to next generation. So I think Dizzy was a person who shared his knowledge. He took care of the next people. I would, I appreciate that effort that he made and his personality and everything. So okay, I vote for Dizzy. <laughs> On saxophone, Lester Young? Or Stan Getz? Stan Getz. Just, it's just a selfish reason because Stan Getz did lots of projects with big band or large ensemble. <laughs> so they, he, he, he uh, left lots of recordings, large ensemble recordings that I can appreciate or I can learn from. So yeah, Stan Getz. Okay. On bass, Esperanza Spartan or Dave Holland? Esperanza. May I ask why? Um, I like she does different things. She can nail all the traditional jazz playing, but she didn't stop there. She kept on expanding her musical spectrum 
Um, and when you hear her music, I mean, her her latest record is so is so avant-garde in a way. I mean, what's happening in this record? Oh my gosh, she's she keeps on being. I don't know what's the term. It's like she keeps on going to another level and level and level. Like maybe she's an alien. I don't know musically. In a in a very good way. In a very good way. Like like. Like she's too advanced, so if it, it feels like she's not a human being, um, I mean, it's a, it's a everything is compliments, anyways. But uh, I think she she previous record or her like first or sec maybe second and third record, I think it was in a very perfect um, spot, which can which can satisfy advanced musicians because the harmony and rhythm is everything was so intricate and it was so fun to fun to um, figure out. But at the same time, it was a singing music and it was groovy. So I know it draw a lot of non-jazz fans to Esperanza. You're talking about the Esperanza so. album, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that was yeah, a so. great one. Okay. Mm-hmm. On piano, Dave Burbeck or Bill Evans? Of course, Bill Evans. Okay, that's... <laughs> okay, fine, fine, fine. Uh, <laughs> Art Tatum or Herbie Hancock? Herbie Hancock. Okay, why? <laughs> I, I love Herbie Hancock's craziness. He... Even though you hear, you know, some Joni Mitchell's album, um, he does very wild things. It's so bold and it all makes sense. And then I love that. He is not in the box that, okay, this harmony implies this line. And he says, no, I'm going wild. And that kind of like... It's so daring and bold, and it's so like no, like fearless. It's he's fearless to do anything, like in terms of like harmony and rhythm and everything. But he has, of course, skill to make everything um, appropriate. So I like that craziness he does. Okay. And on drums, Brian Blade or Tony Williams? Brian Blade. May I ask why? <laughs> um, first, I saw Brian Blade live, but I never seen Tony Williams live. So I am biased. Okay. That is fair. That's, that's a mistake <laughs> but, um, on my part, yes. <laughs> but um, uh, Tony Williams has great energy. It drives the music crazy and it gives us excitement greatly, which I love. It was when you hear when you hear the record that he's in it, everything is alive. It's it's on fire. It still gives the same energy level 
to us, like after decades and decades, still. But I, I chose Brian Blade because I think he, he, he's not only playing some kind of like, you know, crazy things, but I can, I can hear his personality and he can do subtle things or he, I think as a drummer, he is more, um, I don't know how to say, how to put words, um, but he, he is not trying to show off his skill. I mean, every musician, yes, but I can see the humbleness. I get more from the brand blade. He knows the time and when he has to go or he has to support, he has to be subtle or he has to be wild. I think that overall musicality as a composer, I appreciate greatly. Well, one thing I would say, ma'am, is you're very passionate. I like it. And I, I, I know, know people don't get to really see it, but if you saw how animated she got when she was answering it, answering the questions, it was great. <laughs> well, ma'am, could you tell the people oh, your social media, your website, how to contact you, how to reach you? Um, uh, my website is just music, J-I-H-Y-E music.com. Um, and, uh, Instagram, you can search Jihei which is my name, and J-I-Y-O. Um, I think Facebook is the same. I'll just type Jihei you're gonna see me. <laughs> but there are a lot of Jihei It's a very common name in Korea. Um, but if you, if, if you search music a lot, the algorithm do its job, so you're going to find me easily. Okay, well, once again, ma'am, thank you for joining us. It means a lot. Okay. And everyone, this is Leander from Improv. Thank you so much. It was such... And this is Leander from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good one. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange. <laughs>